0: Welcome to All Encompassing Chats. This is episode number one and my name's Kylie G. Today we will be chatting to Charlie O'Connor who's a physiotherapist and medical intuitive and we'll be talking all things pelvic floor ranging from emotional, physical, metaphysical and we'll be covering such topics as exactly how we should be training our pelvic floor, why we should care and different things that can impact on the function. Now we've had a few technical issues when we're doing a live stream on Facebook, so we'll be diving in a couple of minutes in, and we kick off with Charlie explaining who she is and why she cares so much about the pelvic floor. Enjoy.
1: I'm a physio, lots of experience as a physio. I love the pelvic floor from that side of things, and also, um, in recent years, I've trained as a medical intuitive, and the area I work most with women in as medical intuitive is the pelvic floor and I think it's sort of like my um that's like where my alchemy really works is with the pelvic floor so I love it from the physical point of view and I love it from the metaphysical point of view as well and I met Kylie she did one of my pelvic floor workshops um, three-day workshop and that's how we kind of um connected really um I think we might be connected a little bit um on messenger before that and then you came into that workshop and learned all the amazing things about yeah. the pelvic floor yeah. um yeah so that's kind of who I am and my experience around it yeah so I love it from both the physical and the metaphysical point of view and I don't see that those are separate I see those as being really um they come together and you can't ignore one and um Yeah, you can't only work on one. You need to look at both.
0: So I understand what metaphysical is. Briefly, can you explain what that is? Mm
1: -hmm. Please. Yeah so it's looking more at um like perhaps the emotional the underlying causes of why things are doing things so it's looking at the the energy of it i suppose everything in the physical body is energy first before it becomes physical so every symptom every injury illness everything you have there um it's present in the energy side of your body before it becomes physical and so when we're looking at that we're looking at like your emotions your subconscious the spiritual side so it's um uh, and that's how our bodies work and and we don't only operate as physical beings our emotions you know our childhoods all our core beliefs that all feeds into how our bodies work and if we ignore it we actually ignore a massive um uh, opportunity to um, change your health your um, how your body works, etc. Cool.
0: Okay, so what is the function of the pelvic floor from both a physical and a metaphysical point of view?
1: Well, everything in the body on a physical level, pretty much you can sort of look at it in the exact same way from a metaphysical level, actually. So we look at the pelvic floor as being it's like a sling of muscles that sit at the bottom of the pelvis, and um, they basically like hold up everything that sits on top, so all of your abdominal contents, um, your bladder, your bowel, your uterus, um, you know, everything on top stops it from falling at the bottom of you, basically. Mm-hmm. And from that metaphysical point of view, your pelvic floor is also holding everything up, holding everything together. So um, it's kind of supporting you from that point of view, stopping you from falling apart in a way, I guess, like, so the big functions of the pelvic floor, I guess that most people have probably heard of, I'm guessing most women these days have heard of, we think about the pelvic floor in relation to continence. So um, it's these muscles that help us stop from peeing ourselves when we cough, sneeze, run, um, or you know, when we're desperate for the toilet, actually allows us to get to the toilet. So that's what those muscles are important for, but they have many other functions. Um, they also work to support the position of the bowel, so when they're not functioning um, well, they can really add into issues with constipation. They really help with supporting the position of the, even the position of the uterus as well. So that can have an impact on um, on uterine pain, um, on, um, yeah, even if you look at it, um, as a whole body thing, it can even have impacts on things like fertility, etc. It's not strictly on its own going to impact that, but when you look at it as a whole body thing and and all the tension, all the tightness that is involved around that, it can certainly impact that. Also supports the walls of the vagina and um and the position, the ideal position, and um therefore it it has impacts in our sex lives, and um, so it can help um. Or when it's not working particularly well, it can really impact our pleasure. It can really impact pain as well during sex. And so when it is working well, it can really help us to achieve orgasm. It can help us to feel more pleasure. So to have more pleasurable sensation rather than painful sensation. It can even help with how how well those orgasms hit as well as um, the, it, there's not just sort of one orgasm, um, we can particularly those deeper more vaginal orgasms and the pelvic floor can really help assist those Um, and the duration of them and that um, sort of like vaginal contraction during um, orgasm as well. So a lot of people don't talk about that side of it or they might just sort of talk very briefly about that side of it. But your pelvic floor is actually massively involved in that. And then finally, the pelvic floor is part of our core as well. So it helps to um, support our, particularly our pelvis and our low back um, so when our pelvic floor is working as part of our core, it works as the floor of the core. Um, and we also have the top of the core, which is the diaphragm. And a lot of people never think about the diaphragm or the pelvic floor as their core. They think about, you might have heard of like your transversal abdominus muscles around the front. They often think about those, their core muscles in the abdominal muscles, but they never think about the pelvic floor or the diaphragm. And so the pelvic floor is connected to, A lot of your pelvic joints, it's connected particularly to your sacrum. Um, Like, as I said, it's like a sling at the bottom of your pelvis, and it helps to keep those joints um, in really good alignment. We don't want a sloppy pelvis. We don't want a pelvis that moves all the time because that creates enormous pain. And our pelvis is like the cornerstone of our body. So that's what gives it strength. So that if we've got a strong, stable pelvis, then we can have a mobile spine on top of it. If we have an unstable pelvis, we can't have a brilliantly mobile spine on top. So we often end up with back problems if we've got an unstable pelvis, right? Mm -hmm. And so I know like for you in particular, like um, the sacroiliac joints um, are an issue and they are with many women, particularly um, in pregnancy or afterwards. And your pelvic floor are often very much involved in that because they have um, it impacts on the sacroiliac joint and all the way down even into the tailbone um, as well. So, yeah, so masses of functions there from the pelvic floor. It's not just the continents, although that is a, a really big one um, that impacts many women. And um, I guess... Um, we Yeah, we hear about it a lot more now than we used to in regards to continence, and it is becoming more of a um, an open conversation there, but it's still not as good as it should be. I don't know, when's the first time you really learned about pelvic floor, Kylie? After
0: having babies. You get, yeah. to get told when you're <laughs> told you, you know, I'll oh, do your pelvic floor, yeah. and you're like, oh, okay. You don't really get know yeah. what for or... Or why, yeah. It wasn't really until I started um, doing Bowen that I, I really started seeing a lot of these other issues. And then after your yeah. masterclass, I've been able to kind of join those dots, and you know, hang on a minute. This yeah. person's been talking a lot and of it. So you, have almost had to, yeah.
1: you almost had to do your own study to learn more about it rather than it being information that was readily available to you or um, in front of you as you're growing up. And and yeah, most of us hear about it for the first time, maybe not the first time, but in we're like we're taught about it perhaps for the first time, either when we're pregnant or after we have babies, right? Which is just like like <laughs> the worst time. <laughs> it's also the hardest time to work on your pelvic floor. <laughs> <I've done so laughs> like really, family. like you're really pushing shit uphill <laughs> when yep. you're working on your pelvic floor for the first time in pregnancy or straight up afterwards yeah right. and um and considering how many women actually really struggle with their pelvic floor it is really way too late so 10% of teenagers will struggle with incontinence like 10% wow. like that's actually a significant amount of people right yeah 30% of women who never have babies will struggle with incontinence like so why are we only waiting for the women who have babies to teach them about it like what about all these women who could have really benefited from learning this stuff early on and then of the women that do have babies yes 30 percent of us will struggle with incontinence following having a baby but by the time we reach menopause, 60% of us, 50 to 60% of us, will have struggled with incontinence. Yeah. Like that's have more of that us. Way. No, it doesn't have to be that way, but that's more of us that do, that do struggle than those that don't. Mm, yeah. Now, in saying that, it's very common, but it's not normal. Mm. And this is where the shift is starting to change. As education is improving, the shift is starting to change. Where we're starting to learn that these issues with incontinence or with sex or with constipation, um, they're not just something that we have to live with. Certainly, I see a lot of women, perhaps in above my generation, um, who that just completely believe that this is just part of getting older a normal part of getting older and just something that they have to live with and that's a real shame because it's actually not a normal part of getting older it's a common thing yeah yeah
0: I think that's that people have that belief with a lot of different things that oh, I'm just getting older so this doesn't work anymore and that doesn't work anymore oh shit it doesn't have to be like that and and what would it look like if you didn't believe that right mm, yeah absolutely so that leads me to the next question which is what sort of things can have a negative impact on the pelvic floor or impact how it functions
1: yeah well obviously having babies mm. <laughs> that's <laughs> definitely one of them right? yeah. um but it's not just having babies i mean like it is it is a big Factor in it, but it's not the only thing. So the the weight of a baby pushing down on your pelvic floor, obviously, over long periods of time, creates a lot of strain and stress, and slowly we, you know, make it you know, makes it weaker. Um, a traumatic um delivery can make it um weaker as well. You can end up with tearing as well, and forceps delivery. All of those things can have an impact on your pelvic floor, particularly very long deliveries or very, very short ones. And they can be just as damaging as the very, very long ones. So because your pelvic floor is actually less prepared to allow a baby through, when they happen really, really fast, your pelvic floor can actually have much more trauma to it. Then the ideal is you sort of six to 12 hours, that's perfect for your pelvic floor. Shorter than that can create more. It d- doesn't mean it will, but it can create more impact on the pelvic floor. And longer than that, 12 hours also cr- can create um, issues with the pelvic floor as well. And particularly long pushing phases where there's a lot of forced pushing that can cause um, issues the pelvic floor because obviously the more you're pushing the more impact down on that pelvic floor the type of delivery where um there's, there's it's sort of less pushing but more sort of breathing down um is less forceful on that pelvic floor and generally causes less trauma it doesn't mean it won't cause trauma and it also doesn't mean that pushing pushing will cause trauma it's just that it's more likely to so from that point of view and um, yes childbirth and more the more you have the more babies you have, generally the, the weaker the pelvic floor can become or the more impacts on the pelvic floor. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I said, you've got 10% of teenagers, 30% of women who've never had babies also struggling with the pelvic floor. So clearly it's not just babies. Um, other risk factors are um, being overweight, as obviously the more um, weight you have on you, the more pressure down on the pelvic floor. Um People who increase their intra-abdominal pressure as well, um, so that means the pressure in your abdomen increases with certain activities. So that can be people who lift a lot. So weightlifters um, commonly struggle with pelvic floor issues. Wow. Um, yeah, it's a really big um, r- female weightlifters. Really, uh, often really do. Um, People who cough a lot, so chronic coughing, that can cause issues with the pelvic floor, because again, the coughing increases the pressure in the abdomen, increases that downwards pressure on it. And again, um, coughing obviously can be a chronic thing or it could be more acute. So if you already had a little bit of a background weakness there and then you had an acute, you know, perhaps you had COVID, something like that, six weeks of coughing, it's going to really impact your pelvic floor. That's what happened to my pelvic floor after we had the bushfires come through here, the um, the black summer bushfires. And I coughed for five months afterwards and my pelvic floor was okay during that period. But then I got a cold a couple of months after that with a cough, and then my pelvic floor was not okay. So it weakened steadily over five months of coughing, just about held on. And then I got one last thing. And it was just like, Oh, my God, (laughs) it's not okay. anymore. It's not okay. And so yes, but so people who have chronic coughs over long periods of time, you know, perhaps they have um, uh, um, some kind of chronic um copd or asthma or something like that they might struggle with that and smokers as well Mm -hmm. smoking can impact your pelvic floor from two um ways one is from the coughing and two is the actual chemicals um, from smoking actually impact the elasticity of the pelvic floor as well which is quite shocking right like we're like oh my god how does it do that Back in my uni days, I used to know how it did that, but I can't remember how that works now. (laughs) But there is certainly (laughs) chemical issues that occur from smoking that impact the elasticity of the pelvic floor. And we want a nice, elastic pelvic floor. Okay. We want that. And when it gets stiffer, um, that creates issues. Menopause is also another key time in a woman's life that increases the risk of pelvic floor issues. And that's when we get up to that around 50 to 60 percent of women start to struggle with um, pelvic floor issues and quite often into prolapse at this stage. Um, and menopause it's uh, a lot of it has to do with um the changes in the hormones so pelvic floor is quite sensitive to estrogen and with the changes in the estrogen that then has impacts again on the stiffness of the pelvic floor or the elasticity so it has big issues with that and that's where we often see that connective tissue um and the muscular tissue sort of changes that then lead into that, can lead into that um, prolapse. And a prolapse is where, um, well, when the pelvic floor has failed and it's not holding everything up anymore. It's not just the pelvic floor. We have fascia that holds things up as well, connective tissue that holds things up. um, But that system has failed and then they start to essentially start to fall out. So it can be... um, the uterus, bladder, bowel starts to push down through the walls of the vagina and then and then out through the vagina It uh, can be quite complicated. And for some, it can be very mild, just a little bit. And for others, it can be really, really severe as well. So that often happens around perimenopause, menopause. Um, what else is there? Anything else that's high impact? So it's not just the weightlifting, but high impact sports, horse riding, um running those things they can all impact the pelvic floor as well so there's quite a lot there and then one of the big ones that you don't hear a lot about is actually stress and tension so that's where what I like to talk about a lot is the impact of stress and tension on the pelvic floor and I think there's sometimes in a woman's life where we are under quite a lot of stress and tension and motherhood I don't know if it's like this for everybody, but it certainly was for me. Pretty stressful, busy, don't know what the hell you're doing, kind of like ugh, a lot of tension all the time. You know, you're you're, you're up, you know, you're, your tension's raised a lot of the time. Your background levels of tension are often raised. Your sleep is poor, all of those things. And that has a massive impact itself on the pelvic floor. So it's not just the childbirth; it's not just the um, getting getting older. It can be the fact that you're under a lot of stress and tension. Your fight or flight is activated more often than not, and that is going to really impact the pelvic floor.
0: Cool. So there, can you explain the difference between weakness and tension? and to begin with and then walk us through what we can do to prevent these kinds of issues because that all sounds like there's a whole bunch of things that can cause us problems um yeah we need some light what do we do about it (laughs) what do we do so that that doesn't happen
1: yeah. So it's a really good question, Kylie, because that is, um, is that is what is often not taught about the pelvic floor, the difference between strength and tension. And when I talked about stress, then how that impacts the pelvic floor, that's because it increases tension in the pelvic floor. Mm-hmm. The pelvic floor muscles go into like a, a kind of sort of tense spasmy type um, um yeah, like well, tension, yeah. They go into tension long term. They don't let go and then they they don't work very well. And um that can cause lots of problems with weakness. A lot of people get it confused between tense and strong. So we want to aim for a strong pelvic floor. Strong pelvic floor is great, right? but we don't want a tense pelvic floor. And often that's confused as being the same thing. So a lot of people think, oh, I, I," or or you might hear like, um, I've often heard mothers talk about, we don't want to over um, exercise your pelvic floor in pregnancy because if it gets too strong, you won't be able to get a baby out. And, um, but it's not a strong pelvic floor that stops you from getting a baby out, right? It's a tense pelvic floor. They're very different. A strong pelvic floor will absolutely relax to allow a baby out, everything else going well. Um, A tense pelvic floor will not, okay? So there is a big difference. So tense muscle, that's muscle that's switched on a little bit all the time, or for some people, a lot all the time. And muscle isn't supposed to be switched on all the time, okay? It's supposed to let go when it's not needed. So we definitely have a background level of activity that helps us to heart, like support our organs in the ideal position, hold everything up, keep our continence going. We have that background level of activity. Or, and we might call that tone, That's sort of like that tone of that muscle. But we don't want that muscle to be on and contracting all the time so when it does that it's burning through heaps of oxygen and energy and it's producing heaps of toxins and when it's tense the blood supply can't get around it very well so it's actually then not getting loads of nutrients it's not getting loads of oxygen and that then creates even more nasty toxins and they don't get flushed away because the blood supply is not there and so that in itself creates even more issues so that there we can start aggravating pain um, because toxins floating around little nerve endings are highly irritating to our bodies and our brain can start to interpret that as pain. Um, and they, and we form like knots and ropes. So you think about like these upper trap muscles, like up here, most of us are aware of how they feel when they're knotted. Yeah, it's a very different feeling, say, to like, a nice healthy muscle under here that feels that that's not like knotted up. Like when that's knotted, you, you can feel it, it's a really nasty texture to the muscle. That's exactly what happens to the pelvic floor as well. And, um, and that creates pain and it ne- doesn't necessarily create pain where the knot is, but it can create pain in other places. So I get a big knot here. I end up with a headache, right? Like it's not, <laughs> yeah, And, um, and it's not necessarily, um, so, so it may well be in like your pelvic floor may well be impacting the pull on your sacroiliac joints, right? May well be irritating your low back. It may even be impacting, like I said, your uterine pain, um, like your period pain, things like that. So, um, you won't necessarily feel it just as pain on pain in sex or pain inside your vagina. You might experience it in a very different way. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's what, tension is but tension can absolutely lead to weakness and in my experience most weak like really pretty much all weakness has a background of tension behind it okay so um because when a muscle is if you think about how like if I've got like um say I've got a scale like we'll look at as a visual scale from zero to ten and that's my like zero to ten that's my capability of my muscle contraction I could go from zero to ten if I'm always operating at a five to start off with I've only got this amount available for my strength right because this is already used all the time instead of having this amount available and over time that's going to get less and less and less and it's going to get weaker and weaker again because we haven't got great blood supply we haven't got good, um, removal of toxins so we're going to over time create weakness out of our tension does that make sense
0: mm-hmm, sure does yeah one thing I yeah. found fascinating that the the biggest thing I found fascinating about the masterclass that I did with you was when you said that we store tension in our pelvic floor before we store it up here and I have a lot mm-hmm. of people come to me yes. like and they're like oh yeah. you've done that down yeah. give it your pelvic floor yeah. is still you know how how does that work that's so, so yeah. well there's been stress. there's
1: been some interesting studies done on it and um yeah looking at uh, what muscles contract first fearful situations or stress is presented to us we instantly go into a certain amount of fight or flight that's normal we're supposed to do that but we're also supposed to move out of it but they've studied that the, that the pelvic floor kicks in first and that's um due to a reflex called the pelvic stress reflex response and it kicks in before even the shoulder kicks in so if you've got tension up here in your neck shoulders jaw this is a big one we talk about that a lot don't we the jaw and the pelvic floor, if you've got tension up here, whether you're aware of it or not, you've got tension in the pelvic floor. Yeah. Okay, so, so, so you for the issues that we've just talked
0: about if you don't already
1: yeah, have them. Yeah, yeah, so What absolutely. can we do about it? What can we do about it? Well, we can obviously learn to exercise our pelvic floors. Mm-hmm. And from early on, <laughs> the earlier we have these conversations with our kids, with our teenagers, the better. And make it like a normal thing rather than something like a chore to do when we've already got too much on our plates when we just had a baby, right? Like, let's make it like a normal part of lives. So I will go, I'll run through quickly, like how you do basic pelvic floor exercises. And then I'll talk through a couple of other tips and tricks around around releasing tension. Although that, as I said, I taught a three-day masterclass on that. So it's a a massive thing, releasing tension from the pelvic floor. Um, But basic pelvic floor exercises, there's two really easy ways to do it. We have what we call fast twitch and slow twitch. Fast twitch is exercising the part of the muscle that kicks in when we need it really, really fast. So when we cough, sneeze, jump, something happens, laugh hysterically, something happens really fast and we don't want to pee ourselves. So our muscles normally kick in to provide that extra bit of support and and extra closure around um, the urethra, stop us from peeing ourselves. But if they don't work, all the time and if they did would be an absolute agony right they cannot work all the time they are not set up to work all the time they're there for our emergency stuff and that's called the fast twitch the slow twitch is more of the postural side so that's part of the like the the pelvic floor's ability to hold us up over longer periods of time and that like we do have that function in in these muscles we just don't want them to be going overboard we want them to operate at a much lower level but still to um provide that sort of general support so for the fast twitch side of the exercises is it, oh, I say it's dead easy, it's dead easy when you can do it. So maybe not so <laughs> dead easy when you can't do it. But if you kind of imagine like around your opening, so your pelvic floor is around you know, all three openings, um, um your, around your anus, around your vagina, around your urethra, right? So around that whole thing. So we can have sort of voluntary control around both the front and the back. Some people can't distinguish between the two and that's fine like um, it takes a bit of practice to be able to do that but if you if you imagine I like to talk about it like elevator doors if you imagine it's like doors closing doors opening like you're squeezing those muscles together you're letting them go. And you think about the muscles that you might have to use in order to if you were if you were doing a pee and you were trying to stop midstream, like what muscles would you have to use like to shut that off? You'd have to shut the doors. Or if you were out in public and you really needed to pass wind, like what muscles would you have to use around that back passage to um, stop that from like suddenly coming out? OK, so those are.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't. Just let it was go. But, it?
1: Yeah. <laughs> If you chose to, you could, right? And um, like, yeah, so you think about, and so you might just have a feel, can I feel the difference between the front and the back closing and opening? If you can't, that's okay. Most people can feel the back um, if they can't and just work that and it will start coming. So for the fast switch, we are just literally fast shutting, opening and closing the doors, okay? So we're just like going at it like this. To start off with, if you've never done it before, it'll probably be quite sluggish. It'll be like, open close, open <laughs> close, open close. If you practice this very, very regularly, it becomes really crisp You can start like doing it like this. If you try doing that with a slightly weak, sluggish pelvic floor, you, you'll just be like miles behind. It, it won't be working like that. You won't be able to keep it that crisp and that fast. Mm-hmm. But it's, if you can, amazing, that's really great. And again, you're getting pumping loads of blood supply around the that aerial, that's great for your vulva, great for your clitoris, like that's that's awesome. You're really keeping that blood supply going. And, and so it's, it's not just great for that continence, it's great for your sex life as well. And hopefully that encourages people to do it maybe a little bit more. (laughs) Um, And then we, we have the, so you might want to start with just like 10 repetitions of that 10 times a day. That would be ideal like but it's remembering to do it right so you kind of got to set yourself up for success so maybe set timers in your phone maybe stick we used to say stick like little red sticky dots in places like on the inside of the pantry door so whenever you open it the car visor like um, on your mirror when you're brushing your teeth so nobody else knows what those mean but you know that that means i oh, do your pelvic floor exercises or i like to tie it to and um, tie it to an activity often just a standing activity so it used to be like changing nappies the amount of times and um, now i do it like if i'm standing washing up if i'm standing hanging out the washing or you know any of the million standing tasks you have to do and i do them when i'm treating clients when I'm just standing there working over clients I often do my own pelvic floor exercises then and because I practice that regularly it just becomes something I do as I'm doing it it's like I don't even have to think about it I just start doing it So, yeah, so those 10 repetitions, you can do more than 10, like, but if you're getting really, really sluggish, stick to 10, you don't want to over-exercise a sluggish muscle because it's getting fatigued, okay, and then when things get fatigued, they don't function great and you'll end up perhaps then getting sore, okay. As it's getting stronger and stronger and it feels crisper, you can do way more than 10 if you want to do 30 40 excellent you know and do that that's fine it won't take you long because you'll be doing them so fast so that's your fast twitch and that's going to really help rescue you in certain situations your slow twitch is the muscle the part of the exercise that is going to help support everything up so help support that canal of that vagina going to help support the uterus up the bladder up and keep the bowel in a more ideal position as well so that's all about of positioning and holding everything up so for that if you imagine we're still going to shut those elevator doors and then we're going to lift the elevator up and if you can think maybe it's got 10 floors the elevator like you might not be able to quite tell like how far it can go but you might be feeling like it only goes like up and down one or two floors or you might feel like it goes up 10 floors that's great (laughs) and um a really great way if you're not quite sure like am I lifting up or not a really great thing to do is actually have a feel like get, you know, get used to you feeling your own body. Like um, if you have issues with it, feeling dirty and stuff like that, then there's probably some work to do around your, your beliefs around that. And they will probably be impacting your pelvic floor anyway. If you've got um, beliefs around um you know pleasure touch any of those things they probably are impacting the tension in your pelvic floor anyway so it's worth doing some work on um but if you're if you're cool and comfortable with that have a feel pop a finger or two inside and feel like When I pull up, does it feel like it lifts up? Does it feel like it closes and pulls up? I shouldn't ever feel a bulging down. If you're bulging down, then you're definitely doing that exercise wrong. And if you can't get it, it's really worth going to see someone who can help you achieve it. Okay. So these exercises are fantastic to do on your own when you're getting it. But when you've got issues that aren't, aren't resolving or you can't get it, nothing's happening, then it's really worth to seek help from uh, pelvic floor physio. Women's Health Physio will help um, do that. So yeah, so you get that feeling of um, squeeze and lift, and then you want to try and hold that lift for as long as you can up to I recommend about 10 seconds but i, I like to teach it um, to do it while you're breathing because if you like if you try and like pull up your pelvic floor and hold the tendency is to hold your breath at the same time and to contract your upper abdominal muscles as you do it you get this sort of like pull up tension thing happening if you breathe you actually relax your other muscles and you activate your diaphragm part of your core And then you're getting a much more directed pelvic floor contraction. So it's a bit more effective than holding your breath and clenching everything. We don't want the buttocks to clench. We don't want the shoulders to rise. And we don't want these abdominal muscles to be sucking in or tensing up at the same time. So it's worth like feel ha- having a go now. Like when I pull up, what does clench? What does tense when I try and do that? And sometimes it's like, oh God, actually I really do tense in my tummy when I do that. And it's a really good sign that you've probably got some issues with tension and weakness there. Okay, you're having to try and get the tension through creating more tension, Okay um and it's also really interesting to have a feel of what's happening in your jaw when you try and lift up that pelvic floor and if you actually feel like oh my god I actually create more tension in my jaw when I try and hold my pelvic floor you probably are struggling with issues of tension in your pelvic floor and that's and and then and then to try and get more of a lift you almost have to create more tension elsewhere in your body to try and get that pelvic floor to come up more um Yeah, so you can do, I like to count three breaths, so three slow breaths in and out. And then you can do up towards 10 repetitions. But I think if you're starting out, you might be only doing two, three, four repetitions to start off with. Because again, as it fatigues, which it will very quickly, the more you try and hammer hard on a fatiguing muscle, the more issues you're going to cause. So if you feel like you get a great first contraction, and then your second, third, fourth are kind of like halfway hovering and that's it, then, like, I wouldn't push it any further than that, okay? Like, so just practice, practice, practice small amounts often and that will improve hopefully quite quickly. And the other thing is for three breaths to start off with. If you can't feel the let go of the contraction, So say you lifted up that pelvic floor and you held for three breaths and then there was nothing to let go. It was already gone. Three breaths is too long. So you might just start at one breath in and out. So you should be able to feel yourself pull up, but you should also feel the controlled let down as well, the let go. So if it's up. Hold, 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 it's already kind of flitted away. It's too hard for you. So you just need to scale it back a little bit. So you might start at one breath, progress to two, progress to three. When you've got three breaths going, then progress your repetitions um, that way. And ideally, you know, it'd be great if we did them 10 times a day. They're probably not, you probably don't need to do them quite as many. Like, but if you could get three or four good sets a day going, that would be great. That would be really helpful.
0: Yeah. so like any other muscle that you're trying to build up can,
1: are you, can you still see me yeah 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 absolutely <laughs> exactly it is about form yeah, yeah. <laughs> sorry i thought it just came up with a internet connection is unstable i thought oh god um yes and this brings me around to that tension so i talked there like if you're actually really struggling with that you may well be struggling with tension and it is really important i think to learn how to let go of the pelvic floor as well. So that's why it's really important to feel the let down when you like feel the let go as well. And particularly if you're someone, if you already know you struggle with tension, if that's a thing for you already, if you struggle with constipation, if sex is painful, um, you know, if, if if you've got a lot of tense in your sacral joint, hips and stuff like that, if you know there's tension there already, then you, when you do your pelvic floor exercises, you really need to make the release work extremely important. Like you need to put it front and center, really, not just the contraction, because potentially you'll make yourself worse. Okay. So, um, because again, you're just operating it, just trying to exercise, like just create more tension to get to try and get more strength, and it might not work. So learning how to release the pelvic floor can be very helpful. One of the techniques I like to teach is a technique called J breathing. Again, like I said, I can teach you a three-day workshop on this. So I'm just going to talk to you a little about one technique called J breathing. And the breath is really, where, really important for releasing the pelvic floor. We release it often with our breath. That really helps because a good breath gets the diaphragm going. The diaphragm connects to muscles called the psoas which cause all sorts of issues as well in our our backs and hips and things. And then the psoas also impacts the tension in the pelvic floor. So the diaphragm and the pelvic floor, if you can get the diaphragm going really well with your breath, you can also help to release tension in the pelvic floor. So they work well together. So this technique called J-breathing, you, I like to teach it and I use it myself um, when I open my bowels. So that's the perfect time to use it because that's when we need our pelvic floors to relax. <laughs> and for some people they don't, the pelvic floor mistimes. And that's a that's a, an actual thing. The pelvic floor can contract when we want it to let go. That's what causes the issues for some people in in labour. And that's what causes some of the issues with constipation. Some of the other issues about positioning, but and with constipation, it can be about the fact that the pelvic floor literally mistimes and it actually contracts instead of relaxes. So um, the J breathing technique helps us like almost breathe out, uh, like breathe our breathe our poo out <laughs> <That sounds gross. laughs> but it's the same technique it is essentially the same technique that you use to breathe your baby out if you've ever done calm birthing birthing, it's that same technique of breathing the baby out it or it simply allows that pelvic floor to relax and allows the passage of something through okay so when you're kind of sitting on the toilet The best position is with knees up. So if you've got your feet on a step, that's fantastic. That's a really good position. Ideally, we should be squatting when we poo. Um, Other cultures have it right and we got it wrong. Sitting is not the ideal position. But if you can get your feet up on it, if you've got if you've got potty training kids or something and you've got a little stool for the for them to stand on, put your own feet on that. That's great. That's really helpful. Or Just have a little step or a stool. Nobody else needs to know about what it's for and pop your feet on that and then take a really deep breath in. And then as you breathe out, you imagine that instead of breathing out through your mouth, you're actually breathing it down through your body. And out through the bottom of your vagina okay um vagina or bow or back passage doesn't matter like either one and you imagine it as a letter j like a four but the j is going sort of like the curve of the j is going forwards like that so it's going down and out that way okay and so you make it as long a breath as you can so you can really go you really blow that breath down and out you could go even longer than that i'm breathing a bit up here because i'm like talking a lot okay so <laughs> i'm not utilizing my diaphragm as great um, and i could if i if i slowed down and i got my diaphragm working then i could utilize a much bigger breath to really blow that down and you might need to practice that again and again and again and you'll find that the more you do the more you do not have to push no pushing and of course pushing is creates issues so constipation itself creates more pelvic floor weakness because you're you're pushing you're increasing that intra-abdominal pressure so doing that j breath to help release over and over again every time you open your bowels and it becomes like a laid down pattern like your brain starts to recognize it oh this breath means relax (laughs) this breath means let go and then you can also use that breath in between your pelvic floor exercises so if you are struggling a bit with um with that tension you could do a j breath then you could do a pull up then you could do a j breath then you could do a pull up so you're getting a much better relaxation before you then get a really good contraction and we get much better contractions when we fully relaxed, okay? So when we totally allow it to let go, then we'll get a way better pull up again, okay? And so another great position you might want to look at using maybe once or twice a day, maybe not every time you do your pelvic floor, is getting down into a squat position to do your pelvic floor exercises, because you will actually feel how much better that pelvic floor can relax. When you're in that squat position, and therefore, how much better you'll be able to contract it in that squat position. So, you'll get much more, it'll be much more effective for you. But yeah, breathing is a big key. And then learning how to release tension overall in your body from stress. From um, you know the emotional stuff, and for some, so many of you won't be at that level, but some of you will be there. It, there there's that surface level of stress and tension that we all carry, and we kind of consciously aware of. But we have the stuff that we've buried from trauma, from childhood experiences, and those are hugely related to pelvic floor weakness. Like there's a big, big correlation between adverse childhood events and pelvic floor issues and other pelvic pain issues as well. Um, there's the stuff that we bury in regards to our self-worth, in regards to um, you know our early sexual experiences, the things that we learned from the church or from school or things like that that shamed us. We bury all of that in our pelvic floor and other places in our body and we store it as tension. And so there is a level of work that some of you may feel inclined to Work on some of you are probably not at that point, and you might just be looking at changing the surface level of stress and tension. But for some of you, doing that deeper work will actually take you to a whole different place of letting go of tension in pelvic floor and other areas of the body.
0: Cool. So, where I'll just go back one step. Are there Mm -hmm. any myths around the pelvic floor that you want to call bullshit on?
1: I suppose it's that it's actually that one that I kind of said there before about um, the the pelvic floor can be too strong.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Like, um, yeah. no, the pelvic floor can't be too strong. The pelvic floor can be too tense. Mm-hmm. A strong muscle is a healthy muscle. It has a great blood supply. It can contract and it can relax and it can totally let go. Okay. So, so no, it can't be too strong. It can be too tense and that's the difference. Yeah. So it's learning the difference between strength and tension. And I guess the other one is just, it's not really a myth, but it's the idea that just pelvic floor exercises, just contracting on their own is enough. Because really for most, it will be for some people, for most people we need to learn the let go. We need to actually learn, teach that muscle how to let go as well.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, so, for, so it's kind of yes. what I said. Yeah. So for people who want to do that deeper that deeper work, what do you recommend? Is that where they need to be working with somebody like yourself or like a, a pelvic floor? Yeah. Like what's the next steps for yeah. somebody
1: to well, pelvic floor physio won't help you with that metaphysical stuff, unless they <laughs> happen to be do that as well. But my, the majority won't. Um, but they will absolutely, pelvic floor physio will absolutely help you with that more complex stuff. So if you really are struggling with a lot of issues with constipation, or a lot of issues with pain, the basics are great, but they might really might not be enough. And you really would probably benefit from at least an assessment, if not a few sessions, um, with a pelvic floor physio, they do work through a lot of work with tension as well so a pelvic floor physio will teach you about releasing tension they won't just teach you about strengthening um, a muscle as well but they pretend and they may well even talk to you about it from the emotional side because certainly in pelvic floor physio in the pelvic floor training that um pelvic floor s- specialist physios do Absolutely, they cover that emotional side to it. So they may well talk to you a bit about your nervous know, system, about reducing stress, et cetera. But for that much deeper level, that metaphysical stuff, so that, that you know, the core belief stuff, the, uh, the self-worth stuff, the, the things that we've buried for that stuff, that probably does need someone. So like I said, I'm a medical intuitive, so that's work I do. There'd be other people who work in that field as well perhaps sex therapist, but um, I'm sure there's all sorts of different kind of um, holistic therapists that might work with that. For me as a medical intuitive, that's the work I do. I read into people using my intuition, see what's been stored there, help them see it, feel it, recognize it, and release it. So, and um, yeah, but that's, that work, some of it can be done, individually like it can like we like um you know we can use meditation we can use um tapping different journaling and other techniques but often that we we still often only get so far with that and that one-to-one work allows you to access it so much at such a different level when you do one-to-one work and it kind of creates this sort of scaffolding of safety i suppose to allow you to bypass those outer layers and really go to that that core stuff and then and then release it and that stuff can be magic it can turn things around instantly like even myself like I, I like I'm constantly coming back to this myself. I'm always doing this work with myself as well. You know, I'm human. We go back to our old stories. We go back to our old beliefs. Even when we think we've worked on it loads and loads and loads, it'll pop back up for us to look at at another level. And it's the same I've got this spot in my shoulder blade that used to be terrible as a teen, as a physio actually learning at physio school has propped up at many times in my life and is right there again now. And it's reminding me around, it's around my belief that I have to do everything for everyone. Mm -hmm. That's my, I've got this core belief there. I'm the fixer. I'm the doer. I'm the supporter. I have to hold everybody else. I'm responsible for them, which I'm not. That's just a story. But I've got a lot of, I've done a lot of work on it and I've got more. And I did some work. I did a one-to-one session. So I, I was the receiver I was having a medical intuition session on myself on Monday and I was frustrated and I was angry and I went in rah 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 you know like I'm so annoyed at my husband I've got this sick puppy and I'm doing all of this and nobody else is doing anything and then actually when we went and actually she just facilitated and I read deeper into my own body but she held the support and the safety for me so that I could and I could see what was actually there. It was a it was my self worth again. I didn't think it was my self worth, but it was around my need to like my beliefs, my stories around things. And when I then did that work to release it, my shoulder blade was like gone instantly. And I'm like, oh god, I've been struggling with that for weeks like and it'll pop it'll come back with the next the next time I need to be looking at it you know and so the same thing will often happen with the pelvic floor sometimes you'll go backwards and it's a really good time to look at oh what is coming up in my life that's like popping up that's showing me I've got more work to do in this area perhaps in it might be in off you know how much am I taking on but it might be on you know, anything, you know, we all have millions of beliefs and experiences that could be impacting that. Does yeah. that make
0: sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. But So it's not just about, um, you know, anybody that came here watching going, oh, this is going to help me stop paying myself. It's it's so <laughs> much. Like when I first did it, I didn't think I needed to. I had not have those problems. But the more, you know, I got so much out of, of um, the, the class that I did with you, um, and yeah. I think people uh, we, were skirting around this surface level of everything. Like, I've just got to do some exercises. That's fine. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. And, and nobody can do the work. For you. It is all about, like how you worded it there. It's about somebody holding you while you do your own work.
1: You do the nobody. Yeah.
0: No, somebody you.
1: can't come along and cure you no. and fix you with a magic wand, the magic pill, it doesn't exist. that cure you know. isn't there. But it is about finding the conditions that allow you to then be able to do that work, which is absolutely magical and so nourishing and supportive. You know, and that's an amazing feeling to, yeah. to be able to have. Um, yeah, there was something I was just about to touch on and it's completely gone from my brain then. Oh, well, it can't have been that important.
0: <laughs> oh, cool. I well, hope not. Yeah, I, think, I think that's, I think we've sort of covered all yeah. the things that I want yeah, to do. Yeah, we've cover. covered loads. I know, I know. And I do want to get some, um, like I might just pop a link for your page or something there. Yeah. Mind yeah. So if people want to do in. more work with you because you can facilitate that sort of Holding that space for people to do their work. Yeah, that's right. You
1: can so as you said, I've got that I've got that course that you did, like mm-hmm. that three-day workshop that you did. I have that. that I think you've you've got a um affiliate link as well, I think, don't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um yeah, so that's incredible. And that and that covers the physical on day one, the emotional and the nervous system on day two and the sort of the more the spiritual metaphysical side on on day three so it, it really is sort of very holistic through that whole lot and um and you get lifetime access to that as well so you can keep dipping in and out when you need different parts Um, Because, you know, you you probably won't absorb everything in one go and you can come back to what you need at different times. Or I do, yeah, I have different packages for one-to-one pelvic floor work as well. So, and I take, when I do that, I do take people through the physical exercises as well. And I've got lots of videos and things within that that teach some of what I've gone through here, much more stuff. And then we do that one-to-one work together as well, which is what the real gold is. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and I, I highly recommend that because I, like I've been trained in bodywork, I do have knowledge around like physical anatomy, but there was stuff there that you taught that I was like, oh, shit, I knew that and that, but I didn't know how that sort of. I mean, even, that's,
1: even that structure of the pelvic floor is mind-blowing, right? Yeah. It's just like, what? I just heard it was like a sling of muscles where, when I <laughs> went through like how what it actually is. It's just like, what? Oh, my God, I had no idea, yeah.
0: And I think we're it's too pretty- quick to forget um. To forget about i mean firstly the knowledge isn't out there it's not common knowledge it, how many different parts of our body can be impacted by a, a weak or a tense pelvic floor but i think it's also this well, we can't see it so it doesn't
1: mm. really <laughs>
0: the outside out of sight out of mind yeah <laughs> it's, it's just not it can have such a negative impact on your life like your headaches everything can come from and that's
1: it a- it's a good point, actually, because it's an area we also disconnect from massively. So we are often just no, like a, a lot of people have no idea they've got tension. There, I would say I was one of those people, and even today, you know, I. But when I got home from work today, I've got a sick puppy, a like crazy day at work, all this stuff. Got here to come and do this. Sat down for twenty minutes in the sun, and breathed. <laughs> had a cup of tea and breathed. And as I was doing my breathing, I could feel this relaxation in my stomach. And I was like, what? I had no idea there was tension in my stomach until I let the tension go. You know, I was totally disconnected from it. I had no no idea whatsoever until I actually felt it let go Mm. and so we 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 often we travel around all the time having zero knowledge of what's going on here what so it it just seems normal that that's how it always is but actually when we actually then learn to connect we're like oh god there's
0: loads here. Mm -hmm. very
1: interesting and that that's true on a physical and on a metaphysical level as well definitely yeah
0: and and that's yeah that's so true that we're just we're too busy running around doing the life things and don't connect. We're, with human. Ourselves. <laughs> yeah. we're, we're human, but we're we're a yeah. soul too. We're
1: we're we're excellent at avoiding, <laughs> we're very good at
0: avoiding. <laughs> oh, yes, yeah. yeah. so I've been doing my own little um, my own one on one stuff, and um, yeah, I've been pretty pretty good at uh, avoiding and trying to get out of doing the <laughs> so yeah even us people that preach about it want to run away from it I know that's right
1: it's it's all our own medicine as well right like it's it's definitely. never I'm already the guru and you must do as I say like for most of us we're in the trenches right like we're actually in the trenches like navigating this stuff ourselves yeah definitely. same always for always for me too definitely yeah. cool I think I've got everything covered there
0: there was nothing oh, else that you wanted this? to say no, no. We'll have to go and do school pick-up soon. So, um, cool. Awesome. <laughs> the All next right. lot of rowdy people come. No, oh, The sick puppy <laughs> and the rowdy people. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you should lock them in a puppy pen too. <laughs>
1: oh, that's a good idea.
0: Yeah. <laughs> All right, Kylie. Thank you cool. so much for today. That awesome. was awesome. Thank you for chatting with me. And, um, yeah, I'll pop your details below and we'll catch you later. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank <laughs> you.